0: Welcome to Baptist Perspective with Jimmy Barber. Whether you're listening while driving home from work, sitting with a hot cup of coffee, or making dinner, we hope this podcast will be thought-provoking and edifying. Now, here with today's episode is Jimmy Barber. Previously, we showed that many teach that faith is the, or a, condition of justification. Some who teach this will further affirm that while faith is essential to justification, the real ground is the righteousness of God as reflected in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. I well remember in my early days of being a Christian, as I read such writers, I became more confused as to exactly what they meant by such language. In our previous study, I gave a quote from Jonathan Edwards whereby he said, Yet this matter is not clearly and sufficiently explained by saying that faith is the condition of justification and that because the word seems ambiguous both in common use and also as used in divinity. In one sense, Christ alone performs the condition of our justification and salvation in another sense, faith is the condition of justification. In another sense, other qualifications and acts are conditions of salvation and justification too." End of quote. However, the Scriptures plainly teach that our justification is based on nothing other than the finished work of Christ. If anything else is needed, then salvation and or justification is not by Christ alone. Equally, as we have seen in previous podcasts, Christ did not make salvation and or justification possible for the whole human race. He actually redeemed the elect, the sheep, or the believer. Robert Trail summarized it as follows, Christ did not consecrate and make himself a way to heaven and send the gospel into the world that men according as they inclined and according to the direction of their free will might come in and get life and salvation by him. Our Lord Jesus went about his work more knowingly, more fixedly than that. He knew what would come of it. It is done, I say, for particular persons. Consider with respect to this. 1. That all the springs of salvation are towards particular persons. 2. That the covenant, the charter of salvation, is with and for and to particular persons. 3. The possession of it is by and for particular persons. Persons. One, the great spring of salvation are all for particular persons. The grand springs of salvation are the election of the Father, the redemption of the Son, and the sanctification of the Holy Ghost. Now all these are determined towards distinct and particular persons. First, the election of grace is upon persons. There is no election of qualifications. The election is of persons. Wherever it is spoken in the word, it is spoken of persons. He has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. Give diligence to make your calling and election sure. God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. The election is all of persons. Secondly, the grace of redemption by our Lord with His redeeming love is of persons. He laid down His life for His sheep. And, I know ye are not of my sheep, says our Lord. Thirdly, the sanctification of the Spirit, which is the great spring of salvation, as it is begun in us, is of persons. But as it is a work on particular persons, This work must pass upon particular men. The springs must work in every man that is called to his salvation. So that we find, I say, that the springs of salvation are all about particular persons. The springs run in one distinct channel towards particular persons and always answers the same. Everyone that is elected by the grace of the Father is redeemed by the blood of the Son. Everyone that is elected and redeemed is sanctified by the inhabitation of the Holy Ghost. They are not equally visible, but equally certain. That's from the works of Robert Trail, Volume 3, pages 204 through 206, as printed by the Banner of Truth Trust. Trail further enlarged by showing that, quote, the charter of salvation, quote, and the possession of salvation are equally limited to particular persons. The person and work of Christ regarding justification is limited to particular persons, and it should never be presented that the ground of justification is the faith of anyone. The Lord willing, we will enlarge upon the importance of faith and the certainty of faith in the elect in further studies. But it must be clear that faith is not the ground of justification. Though we do not have time to enter into a study of the priesthood of Christ here, it must be pointed out that his priesthood was set up in the eternal counsel of God and that he was only a priest to and for the elect sheep of God. He never was a priest for the human race. As with Israel of old, the priesthood was limited to that nation and form of worship and not for any other nation. Likewise, the priesthood of the new covenant is limited to those chosen and ordained by God in the eternal council. Another reason that faith is sometimes misunderstood is because of the plethora of modern translations set forth to the public today. We have stated from the beginning of these podcasts and reiterated at various times that our standard is the King James Version of 1611 and that we believe it is the best English translation and that it is based on the best Hebrew in Greek texts. To show how the modern translations have contributed to the confusion of faith and its meaning, let us look at Hebrews eleven one. As stated in the King James Version, quote, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. End of quote. The New International Version states, Now faith is... Confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. The New American Standard Bible says, Now faith is the certainty of things hoped for, a proof of things not seen. The New English Translation declares, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for, being convinced of what we do not see. The American Standard Version, Now faith is assurance of things hoped for, a conviction of things not seen. The list could be enlarged, but this should be enough to show why so many people are confused as to what the Bible teaches. All who believe the Bible agree that salvation is by grace through faith and that it is the gift of God, Ephesians 2, eight. Therefore, it is essential that we know what faith is. By looking at the different translations of Hebrews eleven one, we find that they do not agree at least regarding one part of the verse. This is seen in how the Greek word hypostasis is translated the king james says substance the niv states confidence the nasb gives certainty the net says being sure and the asv supplies assurance Thayer gives the meaning of this greek word as follows one A setting or placing under substructure, foundation. Two, that which has foundation is firm. Hence, A, that which has actual existence, a substance, real being. B, the substantial quality, nature of any person or thing. That's from Joseph Henry Thayer's Greek English Lexicon of the New Testament, as printed by Uh, Zondervan, in 1967 edition, pages 644-645. Richard Scholl, in his thesaurus, gives the following synonyms for substance, reality, hypostasis, essential nature, real being, real existence, essence, soul, Chief part, essential part, vital part, stuff. Theologically, divine essence, divine being. That's in Richard Shoals A Dictionary of English Synonyms as edited by George H. Hallison in the 1898 edition, 1891-1920 edition. Page 413. By this, we find that faith is the real existence, the essence, the essential part, the vital part, the stuff of things for which we hope. Faith is not a dream. It is not self-persuasion. It is not the product of one's imagination or something which has been conceived in the mind by emotional desires. This would be mysticism and existentialism. However, this is usually the contemporary concept of faith, a leap in the dark. But faith cannot actually be unless that in which faith rests is an actual fact. From this, we are told that faith is reality. Real existence, essence, or stuff of that which is hoped for, or of that which one expects to receive. It is not derived by the confidence or assurance that is conjured by a person's inner thoughts, mental process, or human will. With all of these different ideas of faith as given by various translations, and many other examples could be given. The average person is confused on what faith is. One thinks one thing, and another believes it is to be something else. Multiply this by the different ideas presented by the different translations, and the average person in the pew is perplexed as to what faith really is. However, this is simply a small fraction of the problem. Again, multiply all the differences of the translations by the various translations, and the confusion is so astronomical that hardly can any two people agree on anything that the Bible says. There must be a standard, and that standard must be one and not two or three or more different concepts. This is one of the many reasons that the standard that I use is the Masoretic Text of the Old Testament and the Textus Receptus or the Received Text of the New Testament with the English translation of the King James Bible as given by the providence of God. Regardless of what the higher critics and scholars say, I am persuaded these are the best and safest manuscripts and English translation. By way of summary of the last two podcasts, William Stiles concisely points out this twofold aspect of faith as follows. We believe that faith should be regarded firstly as a principle or faculty imparted by the Holy Spirit to every regenerated person, Ephesians two eight, Philippians 1.29, 2 Timothy 1, 1.5, 2 Peter 1, one, and secondly, as an act, that is, faith is a principle, and secondly, as an act, which arises from the existence of this principle, and which specially characterizes the true children of God mark four forty mark eleven twenty two romans four nineteen romans ten seventeen second corinthians one twenty four ephesians three seventeen colossians one four colossians two five through seven first john five four hebrews six twelve That's from Stiles' Manual of Faith and Practice Designed for Young and Inquiring Christians by William Giles Stiles, this 1897 edition, pages 186 through 187. This was also quoted in my book on Justification, the Heart of the Gospel, on pages 105 through 106 the Lord willing, we will discuss more fully this second aspect in the future, but our time is up for today. Farewell. Thank you for listening to today's edition of Baptist Perspective. We archive our episodes so you can go back anytime and listen again. Do you have a question about something you've heard or just want to let us know you're listening? Visit us at baptistperspective.wordpress.com. That's baptistperspective.wordpress.com thanks again for listening